Hello and welcome to The Don Father, a family podcast about the Essendon Football Club. And it's at this moment that I wake from my dream time of three wins in a row and what looked so promising and started so well has ended in a nightmare. Who's here to get all doomy and gloomy with me? Well, to me, as per usual, and surprisingly, uh, for once, after a loss, we've actually got more than two people on the panel. You wouldn't wouldn't believe it. You would not read about it. Would uh, not read it. I'm also here mostly so that you can stop the chat about how nobody jumps on when we've had a loss, even though I probably should be doing some work, but I'm going to sacrifice for the sake of the pod and for my reputation. That's right. What's work again? Give it a plug. Oh, Revive Physiotherapy and Pilates in Altona North. Yeah. For all your physio and Pilates needs. Who would have thought with a name like that? Mm. Yeah, yeah. So I've got the, uh, I mean, obviously most of Melbourne in lockdown now. So a lot of people returning back to sport, hopefully in the next week. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I give it another couple of weeks before all the neck pain and back pain from working from home starts to kick in. And um, yeah. we're going to be... All the runners, yep. All the people that have just started running during lockdown. Yeah, keep your training loads up, people. All the all, all the people like myself who have done zero since lockdown began. Mm. Yes, except for this morning when Ash made you work out. I hear that was very rude of her. <laughs> your your tunes uh, sort of changed there. Obviously, being the car, very health and wellness oriented, and uh, now it's just all about. Uh, well, now you're sort of specialising down the, the scoliosis route, so you've foregone the health and wellness practitioner side of things. No, I understand the importance of exercise. I just hate exercising. <laughs> I, it's actually I, true. You should be in a gym class with this guy and literally all he does is complain the whole time. But, I mean, lockdown was very fortuitous for me because um, I was actually quite sick. Well, as the listeners know, I missed the episode a couple of weeks ago. Um, he was so I, back from the brink. Yeah, I, I took the opportunity. I, my cough was still lingering. Um, so I took the opportunity to really get a good rest. Um, so I'll be back back on the exercise wagon from tomorrow. Well, today, but in, in earnest tomorrow. Mm, as a uh, as part of the PE teaching fraternity, it saddens me that, that exercise uh, makes you sad, Nick. Mm. I actually really, I really enjoy playing sport, but exercising for the sake of exercising, it kind of bores me. Like mm. I, I enjoy when I, when I used to run track or was playing soccer or footy or whatever. I actually love being active, but um, exercise for the sake of exercising, I, I just do it because it's good for me, but mm. I don't, I don't enjoy it. It's not a, it's not something I wake up in the morning and, and can't wait to get to the gym. Really? Yeah, I actually enough. really do enjoy exercising, actually. And um, last last year during lockdown, I was very committed. I did my workouts at home. But like you, in the last week, I've not done a huge amount because, yeah, motivation's just taken a big dive. But uh, oh, wow. we're not here to talk about our exercise habits, are we? No, true that, true that. Well, I might something a bit different from the football, something we can relate to the listeners with. Um, mm. you always very footy-oriented on here and uh, – so I think someone's decided to do some vacuuming in my house. <laughs> oh, we can't hear it anyway. We can't hear I it. Can't, it's all yeah. good. Um, yeah. But anyway. It's, it's, um, uh, it was very interesting, right, that we'd be footy orientated normally because we are podcast. a football podcast. Yeah, well, to, to, uh, 
relate beyond just the scope of the we are yeah. people as well. People first, footy fans second. And I think it's important for our listeners, all two of them, to get to know us and what makes us tick. No, I'm a footy fan first. Mm. I, th- mm. I-, I was about to ask, what, what have we done with the weekend apart from watch our uh, beloved Bombers go down? But unfortunately, not much to do here in Victoria. No. I, uh, I've just been crying all day today. I did actually get back on back out for a run yesterday. It's been a little while, probably three or four weeks since I've been for a run. So I did that yesterday. I actually, um, no, I spent the day Googling um, all the information I could about the three umpires from last night, where <laughs> they live, what they do for their day job when they're not umpiring, uh, their medical records to see what their vision is like, really compiling everything that I can so that I can hunt them down and assault them. Oh my god! I don't know that you should actually. I don't know if we can air this, <laughs> Nick. You, well, obviously, uh, Nick, your your partner um, Ash is uh, American, and there there is talk that the only reason you two got married is so that you could become an American citizen, easily obtain a firearm, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> sit in the stands and. <laughs> At the top level of Optus Stadium there, you might have been lying. To... No, nah, this is getting dark. Um, this is very dark, very dark. <laughs> Let's not move even, on. shouldn't even joke but, about it. <laughs> but the fans, the fans want to hear this because it's very cathartic. Um, well, look, we're going to acknowledge probably, it. It's probably a good thing that the Bombers didn't win because you were going to go missing. So, like, I would have gone missing for about three weeks. We were going to um, anchor our pod. Like, it's actually lucky. They did yeah. you a service. They did, they did. But, geez, that... Uh, you know, I'm, we're going to mention it now, and we're probably mention, mention it, it for the whole hour, the whole episode. But it's not the reason we lost. But gee, that umpiring was some of the worst I've ever seen. Like, and that's not even me exaggerating. That was absolutely holding the balls missed, which, as we've spoken about in other casts, you know, makes changes the momentum of games at crucial times. Um, and it was it, at times unwatchable. Oh, I'm actually going to go on a... Uh, is it a limb or a whim? Whatever it is. Uh, and, I think and, it's out on a limb. Out I on think. a limb? Yeah. But I, I actually don't think we should be mentioning... I mean, we, we, at the end of the day, we lost... We lo- you know, a few umpiring decisions didn't cost us a game. Um, you know, we can p- contrast that to something like the 2019 Anzac Day where I think you could make a very valid argument to say there were some decisions or lack thereof that perhaps did cost us four points. But, you know, that's a long time ago now. Um, you know, you look, you see how, how sad we were, you know, to lose. Um, but I, I look back upon this loss versus perhaps a loss of 2020 or, or even 2019 uh, towards the back end from memory. Um it, look, as as Kins, I don't like to use the term honourable honourable loss, but I, I definitely see a lot comfier uh, in my seat today than maybe if this had happened a year ago or, or two years ago. Given one the the nature of our list and how young it is, um, but also we actually had Richmond on the on the back foot for. A decent part of that, or, or, or at least we're, we're very engaged in a, in a horn-to-horn contest, um, which I don't think we, we have been able to do in, in recent times or even look like doing so. Well, the 39-point the margin is just bizarre. Like, it does not reflect 
the quality of the match and the contest in any way at all. It's just, it like I woke up this morning, looked at the scores. I'm like, that wasn't a seven goal loss. Like I've seen seven goal losses and it just wasn't. That was, that should have been closer than last year's Dreamtime game, which was, you know, two goals. Um, and the reality is we, there, there are whole, and we'll run over these, but there was a whole facet, the whole, many facets of the game where we were subpar, where Richmond were just better than us. But I, we just ran out of legs in that last quarter with down on losing McGrath early, um, and then down on rotations with Zaharakis going off, and Tipper really um, had the other two not been injured, he would have been subbed out in my opinion because he could not move around the ground at all he was literally just taking up space so um and just and just standing in the right position so it was the they just managed to score in the last 10 minutes and every time they went forward they scored a goal um because we're just out out on our feet yeah and i'll probably get this um into this a bit later but i don't think we can deny the greatness of richard although although last week you know we're all up and about saying this is a week we could get them um given they probably haven't had their full side in for the best part of this year, and they did uh, last night. Um, I, I, and I th- they just showed how, how good they are and how good their, their system is. I think there are a lot of players, even a guy like, and no disrespect to Shea Bolton, but I, I don't think, he, he's a freak, right? He's an absolute superstar of the game. But the things he does, I don't think he could do on any other team in terms of he, he just relishes or relish, is that the? Yeah, flourishes, <laughs> flourishes in the in the Richmond system, in the Richmond style, and I think there are a lot of players in that same boat who just do so well in the Richmond sort of uh, bubble, I suppose you can call it. Um, mm. So full credit to them and credit where credit's due because they they showed us how why they're such a great team and why they've been the dominant force of the last four or five or well, four years really because they were nothing in twenty sixteen, but. Uh, and, you know, you'd work so hard one way. And, again, we'll speak about this later, but it works hard one way. And then all of a sudden, they, they wouldn't even just put one on you. They'd put two <laughs> out of nothing. Yeah. Um, or it, one slip up and, they you know, it's a goal. And the thing is, um, we're, we're developing that system. And you can and the evidence is clear with, as we speak about every week, players like Laverde relishing his role. Players like Snelling relishing his role. So we, it, it's those... Players in the 22 that probably they embrace the role, they work into the system, and you get way more out of them than than you would at another club, or even at our club last year and the year before and in the previous years. So that's definitely, and this is why we're so positive, is that that's definitely starting to develop at Essendon, and why I would love to see a fit Irving Mosquito back next year, because I think he if he's given a role and can play his role well, could be an unbelievable addition to our side and our forward line. Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, that's probably a conversation for, for later in the year, but we ha- are hearing that he uh, potentially may be considering his AFL career. I hope, you know, I hope he does um, his return home, uh, albeit, you know, I'm sure he's very good to, very glad to be amongst family and friends. Um, but does help him realise how much of an opportunity he has uh, mm. ahead of him in, in, in an AFL career, which I think could could stem for a long time. But uh, no, you're right. Um, in terms of, yeah, we're, we're developing a system. Um, we're way off, but we are getting there, yeah. 
So, so the one thing I want to say is this, right? When, when you're the underdog, to cause an upset, and doesn't matter what sport, anywhere, but but we're talking about footy for for the example. When you're the underdog, in order to cause an upset, you need every bit of luck to go your way. And the night that we had last night was reminiscent of the round two Port Adelaide game, where absolutely everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. Losing McGrath early, terrible umpiring decisions at crucial moments, losing Zaharakis, Tipper getting injured. Absolutely everything that could have gone wrong went wrong, bar a late change before the game. Um, and it was just never going to be our night when when the chips fall that way. When you don't get the luck, you're never going to cause an upset and beat the reigning Premier in the situation that our lists are in. Yeah, I, I think, and again, we'll get into this later, but the way when you are an underdog, you, I don't think you beat the... You call it a, an overdog, <laughs> um, but the, 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 the top dog, the big dog, the top dog. Yeah, exactly. You're right. That you you don't go out and beat them by adjusting your game style, which I think is what we did early. Mm. Uh, and you have to really come at them. And I think we we didn't do that from the start. We tried to play a certain way that was outside of how we want to identify ourselves as a team. And I think we paid that price. But you you are right. You do need a lot to go your way. But at the same time, you also need to come out and do what you do best or what you want to do best from the get-go. Yeah, yeah they did look tentative, didn't they, early? They looked like they wanted to go and then thought, no, nah, we're playing Richmond, we better we better do this. You know, well, or yeah. instead of instead of the forward handball, instead of they and they didn't they didn't attack their kicks, they didn't attack their contest as well as they could have early. I agree with you. Yeah. Well, I think defensively we just wanted to uh, uh, instead of trying to get out Richmond and, and hunt, you know, come at them at the ball, we, we tried to just sit back and said, okay, well, you guys are going to come and run, but, you know, we're going to have so many numbers around the ball, you're just not going to be able to use it. Uh, and <laughs> we tried that, and they absolutely picked us apart. And then you saw we started to come at them, come at the ball uh, and, and be a little bit more instinctive with the way we moved it, and things started to go our way. So, mm-hmm. um yeah. Sorry, Laura, you look like you've got something on the tip of your tongue. Oh, no, no, no. I was just, um, I, I agree with you. Like you could see that from the lack of pressure, you know, like they just didn't look like the Bombers were putting any pressure on Richmond. And I think, yeah, I agree. They try, looked like they were trying to adapt to a game style that wasn't natural for them. And because of that, there was lots of skill errors and it just, yeah, nothing sort of went their way. Mm. Yeah. Wouldn't it given we are getting onto the game do we want to hit a break and then we'll dive right into it after that i think that's an excellent idea let's take a break and when we come back we'll uh we'll do what everyone wants and that's our likes and dislikes game in general but of course as our listeners all two of them expect 
let's jump in. Let's have a chat about the game. Let's just chat about our likes and dislikes. Who wants to kick us off? I think the obvious like, DP3, Darcy Parrish, um, breaking the record for the most number of disposals for an Essendon player. Um, mm. But just having an outstanding season. Yeah, 44 disposals. That is a monster effort. I think I've got his stats up here. But it's yeah. something like 70% efficiency or something. Something crazy. It was. That was in a screenshot that I sent. It was something like 70% efficiency. Yeah, and 600. I mean, 44 disposals. Um, but 600 or something metres gained. Uh, so 737. 737, wow. So he's incredibly uh, effective with it as well. So that's that's that's... Just fantastic. Um, if I can build on that, I mean, first of all, what a privilege to watch perhaps one of the most dominant uh, Essendon player performances in, in history, perhaps. Well, yeah. it, it is the most dominant Essendon player performance in history. Well, I mean, I mean it, like if you could go through a herd and maybe he's kicked the 35 and had four and you could make arguments that way. But um, Kicked the 35 and had four or had 35 and kicked four? Yeah, we, oh, get you know what, what we got what he meant. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I actually think our midfield as a whole was fantastic. Mm, and that, okay. you know, So he started with Parrish at the top there, but Merritt, he was everywhere. And I actually don't think the, the stats did him justice, even though he, his stats are very good. He was mm. everywhere. Um, Langford played his best game of the year. Yeah. And that well, was in, in a loss, um, in a losing side, the Bombers had, what, the top three in terms of stats? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Top three possession getters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't, even if they wanted to give it to Dusty, I don't think it could have been justified. Although he had a, a, a decent game against us, um, they definitely wanted to give it to Dusty, but they couldn't. They always they want to give everything yeah. to Dusty. Oh, he, you know, twenty-seven and three. Um, I, maybe I'm one-eyed here, but I think his stats made him look better than what he was on the night. Um, but well, I, yeah, I didn't feel like he was that influential until probably the last quarter when he started like just putting daggers into our hearts every time he kicked goals. But like when the heat was out of the game, yeah. Yeah, right. The first three quarters, I don't really remember noticing him very much at all. Yeah. I pretend but that could just be us with our rose colored glasses on. Never. No, nah, we're Matthew, not biased. As if you like I, I'm just offended that you would suggest that we're biased in any way. Oh well you uh don't have a right to not be not offended. <laughs> so um I've got a like. Friend of the show, Nicholas Pencil Cox. Hmm. 23 disposals, 14 kicks, 9 handballs, 8 marks, 2 tackles. And in fact, 2 hitouts. Really, really good performance. That's definitely... If he doesn't get a rising star nom, then the AFL's corrupt. And we know they're corrupt because they're umpiring. But anyway... He was um, most definitely one of our best players last night. Yeah, he, he started well. He was dominating Caddy on that wing. Um, that was, in my opinion, his best performance of the year. Yeah, to, uh, just before I go into football, I think we're actually going to get sued before we uh, get this show anywhere off the ground. <laughs> We've had five talks of shooting umpires, corruption talk. Um <laughs> Yeah, how very anyway. how very fortunate that like I do not have a thing to my name. So <laughs> how very they, fortunate that Gil doesn't listen to our podcast. <laughs> they can sue us, but they don't get very far. This is all my... just our opinion. Um, just having allegedly. a little bit of um, banter and a bit of chat. No, absolutely, all tongue in cheek. Um, no, I'm serious. I'm 100 percent serious. <laughs> if they sue um, us, we're coming after you. 
Is your you on the entity? It's not. It's, I got nothing to do with it. Um, Me either. <laughs> yeah, Coxie. You know, Coxie was fantastic. Um, probably his, his most impactful game in terms of volume. Like I think he's in the yeah. past. He's probably he's done imp- nice things. Yeah, yeah. Or you know, he's, he he gets one kick, but it's been a, a kick that absolutely opens up the ground and hits someone lace out, or um, you know, it only counts as one disposal. Um, but I think this this is his first time in terms of absolute volume. Um, of possessions, um, but I think if I'm the the Perkinator, mm, he, he was gonna, he, he was one of my likes for this week. Yeah, he is looking every bit more composed, uh, and we say it probably every week, but he he literally looks more composed and more at home every week and more confident. Um, I think there was one time he got it off half back, and he was coming out under pressure, looked to turn. Took one too many on, got out of the tackle, uh, gave a handball away, and it, you know I think it was a Richmond goal. But I, I'm very happy that a, a youngster such as him is just having that sort of confidence to go and do that, and he he can he can do it. He can break those sort of tackles. Mm, he's going to be a very very good player for a very long time. He he's already got that composure, that strength around his hips. He's yeah, I'm I'm very happy. Uh, with the one-for-one trade of Danaher out, Perkins in. Definitely. And also, his hair is so much better than Danaher's. I rate his hair. It's magnificent. He's a good-looking rooster, that's for sure. Mm. Um, But, yeah, he's got to get that kick right. Once he gets that kicking, dead eye, uh, watch out. Mm. Um, Even the confidence he had, you know, he's running in from 50 out, not to hit a short, hit a leading forward, put it on himself and say, I'm going to kick the goal. He missed, but like we said, if he gets that kicking right and wants to take that sort of responsibility and have that confidence, uh, mm. all power to him. Yeah. Um, I had a like, mm. uh, and, and it was our coaching adaptability. Yeah, I, I, I like where you're going with this one. Lead on. So I think we started with it. We spoke a bit before. We started with a certain tactic in mind or set of tactics in mind or strategy, whatever you want to call it. Uh, didn't work or wasn't working, and we we changed it. Uh, and I, and to our it, it worked. We came back into the game, uh, got ahead for a little bit, uh, and then it all sort of uh, came coming down from there. But I think in, in times gone past, maybe under the whoosh or something like that, uh, we would have tried to stick it out and keep playing a certain way and uh, just learn of things. Whereas it was good to see truck go. Realize it wasn't working. Make a change on the fly. Get back to what we were good at, uh, and the boys sort of take to that. Have confidence in it, and and it, and it just seemed to work. Um, and I, I think I th- it was. Sorry, I was just going to say. I think it was what personified this was the move of Nick Hind uh, to half forward. Now, That's I, exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Exactly so he didn't right. kick a goal, or um, you know, I don't think he put anything on the stats, but it wasn't. Not that he was having a bad game down back, but we needed more up forward. We needed to throw something around. Uh, and it did seem to open up the game a little bit for us. When we got a run on, he was getting his hands on the footy, breaking lines and, and doing mm. his thing. So um, a credit to, to Truck and Gia and everyone else up in the box there that um, showing a bit of adaptability and, and willingness to, to throw things around on the fly, which we were actually critical of in, in round one when we did nothing against Hawthorne. Yeah, no, I agree. I I a big tick for the coaching panel. They made some really solid moves and they paid off for long patches of that game. 
I think it's um it's really clear this year that um, the team is thriving from really strong leadership from the coaches box and you know like you were just talking about that adaptability but also yeah taking control and making moves when things aren't working I think the last three or four years we've just watched them get decimated and then wonder why nobody's making a change to try and stem the flow of you know, the opposition. So I think it's good seeing that strong leadership and seeing them make changes and really try and make a go of things. Yeah, I, and I think, you know, we're actually building an identity where we're seeing a team um, actually formulate this is who we are and this is what we play for. So, no, it is fantastic. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with a dislike. Yep. And that is... Three tackles inside 50. Sorry, two tackles inside 50. Both of which should have been holding the ball and free kicks for us, but two for the whole game. Oh, wow. And that is the summary of where we lost that game. Not enough forward pressure, not enough keeping the ball in our forward line. And that was very evident once uh, Tipper got injured. Um and then throwing hind forward, we really missed Will Snelling. Mm. Um, and even the pressure of someone like Devin Smith, that that really hurt us last night because we would get it in and we just couldn't keep it in there. And we weren't generating scores from the ball being in there. Our entry into forward line was much better than it has been previously. We were hitting targets and, and taking marks inside 50, but we weren't able to keep the pressure on Richmond by keeping the ball in our forward line. Yeah, I tend to agree there. And I, I th- it didn't help that McGrath went down and then Ambrose comes on, who's another tall. Uh, doesn't. Yeah. I mean, he can run all day, but doesn't have the pace. Uh, to he doesn't of... have that pace to pressure, right? Like yeah, to, yeah, yeah. So that hurt us. Um, and essentially, you know, we're playing Hooker, Jones, Ambrose, Waterman, Stringer, mm. uh, an, injured, tipper. an injured tipper. Um, it's not. Yeah, it's not a forward line that... Uh, screams pace and quickness and, and that sort of, you know. Um, it definitely hurt us. Yeah. 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 And I would be inclined um, to bring in next week a Ned Carl. Well, not next week, the week after. Obviously, we've got the bye, which gives us an opportunity to maybe get a Devin Smith back. Um, but I would be willing, because we're not going to get Snelling back, um, to bring in a, a Ned Carl and play him forward. As a pressure forward, yeah, I, I thought Snelling was only a couple of weeks. Just sort of got no, the plate in, and I think it was six to eight. Oh, what did he have? A, was it a hamstring injury? No, no it's a thumb. Um, a thumb fracture. Oh, why so long? Like usually for hand injuries, they're like surgery and a couple of weeks done. Yeah, well, he's he's listed on the Essendon list as medium term, which is four weeks or greater, from what I can gather. Okay, yeah. Well, I if I can add to that. As well, I think our defensive transition as a whole was pretty poor. Yeah. Uh, once we did turn it over, especially in our forward line, they just cut us up. They just did what yeah. they want, especially through the corridor. Um, even if they're entering their forward 50, we let them get into dangerous spots in front of goal in terms mm-hmm. of that probably that goal square extended space. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was pretty poor uh, that we, we really didn't do much to change that, I thought, um, in terms yep. of how we transition and protect the middle. 
Yeah. Uh, obviously, they're fantastic at going the other way, and we saw that just the way they'll throw a handball out or kick it forward, and they'll just have someone there. Um, they're obviously very set up for that, but to let them to get through the corridor with ease um, for the whole game, yeah, very disappointing. I thought. Yeah, and well, do you reckon that was coaching, or, or do you reckon that was a, a lack of application of of what the coaches wanted? <sighs> oh, you'd think that, given Truck and, and everything else, he's, he's been able to display that he's quite capable that he wouldn't give, especially the team he came from, uh, from a coaching perspective, uh, he wouldn't just give up the corridor. Mm. Um, having, you know, you, like I said, you've got to respect the fact that Richmond uh, are the best team in the comp at doing that sort of thing, uh, mm-hmm. at, you know, getting you on transition and, and just pretty much getting themselves wherever they want. Um, mm-hmm. And they will, you know, like they'll be sort of uh, past halfway on the wing on a flank and instead of going long, they'll elect to sort of go in the middle. Um, so they're very, they're very good, and they do do things a little bit unorthodox to how you might usually defend a team. Um, but I think it probably, yeah, probably an application to answer your question, which is what I'm saying. It was difficult because you probably have to defend them differently to what how we think about defending most teams because yes. of their unorthodox style. But having said that, if you want to, I mean, we're still young and you know we're not talking flags this year. But if you want to win flags, you've got to be able to defend unorthodox teams. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Mm. Laura, you got any dislikes? Um, oh, I just feel like our forward line really was. I don't know if it was. They just didn't seem like they could get it together. I mean, like Jake Stringer, I feel had a poor game. Like he didn't really do a huge amount. Tipper was obviously injured. Um, Kale Hooker, he was trying to present but was under pressure. Um, But just in general, I feel like in the forward line was where we were let down. Um, I don't know if that's because their defence was so strong. But, yeah, I just thought that they were sort of missing and it was really hard for us to get it into the forward line. And then when we did, it kind of came straight back out again. Well, we're pretty even with them. So, um and, and that goes to what I was talking about before, only two tackles inside 50, right? But the inside 50s were actually very even. I'll just bring them up. Yeah, I actually uh, think yeah, a probably personnel issue there. Um, yeah. When you've got to you know, force guys like Hooker and, and Stringer, even Waterman, um, to have to play more defensively because we haven't got, or even just look to Rove um, mm. because we haven't, got the Snelling. We haven't got a Smith down there. Um, and and Tipper's actually... Richmond's probably a side he doesn't uh, tend to perform well against for whatever reason. Maybe they just shut him down quite well. Mm. Um, even though I thought with ball in hand, he looked quite dangerous, but just, just yeah, couldn't hit good. the scoreboard. He just didn't... And he just didn't get the ball enough. Like, when he did get it, he did look dangerous, but I just don't feel like he got enough opportunities and then got injured. Yeah. Well, the, the the feeling was that we were working really hard to get it forward, mm. um, and then we would get it in and either miss the shot or or we'd score a goal, um, but then it'd just they'd get it down the ground so much easier. Their entries that it seemed like they just waited and waited and waited, and then when they decided they wanted to get it inside fifty, they just bang 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 got it in there. Um, whereas we seem to be really labouring to generate our forward fifty entries. Yeah, and that's what good size will do to you. They'll make you work and, and 
really make it difficult for you to score and then score really easy on the other way. Um, Having said that, one of my likes was we had quite a few chains of ball movement that were, you know, what we've been known this year for in that really quick forward handball, that accurate kicking, that running in waves, that sort of play that um, in the last three weeks before this week um, has put us in really good stead to win games. And it was a positive that even as we were saying previously, like it didn't feel like a seven goal loss, but even in a, in a loss like this, we just, we did have passages of dominance where we held the ball, moved it our way. were able to actually dictate the play for big chunks. Yeah. We didn't have the maturity and maybe the quality to finish on that work, but it was certainly there. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely agree. Definitely agree. Um, but then I think that's the, that's the difference. You gotta, you gotta finish. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, another couple dislikes from me. One of them, Richmond. <laughs> I just hate Richmond. I hate their jumpers. I hate their song. I hate their players. I hate their coach. I hate their medical staff. I hate their fitness staff. I hate everything that comes out of that. Forgot the supporters. Club. I hate the. I hate the supporters most of all. I just hate Richmond. Um, so that's a dislike for me. Yeah, um, was one of our uh, premiership superstars of the 2000. Nah. Doesn't matter. Does he not matter. He's a traitor. He is an <laughs> absolute traitor. I don't like uh, that they they're hypocritical. They talk about being a family club, and then you know coaches are doing naughty things with other staff members behind their wives' backs. You know, all sorts mm. of bits and pieces going on, Maddie. Yes, very naughty. Um, but. In all seriousness, dislike. Um, I thought Fran- uh, Phillips had his colours lowered by Marby Chole last night. Yeah, I, I, I um, well, after the game started and Chole was just plucking everything out of thin air, I yeah. thought maybe it was, <laughs> it was a good week to have Nick Bryan. But look, full credit to Phil, he did not stop trying. Um, no, he nearly, worked his way back into the game. And he nearly, uh, nearly had two, well, he probably should have had two goals. Mm. Um, should have kicked that one, but um, yeah, no, Cholly, uh credit to him. Yeah, he, he, he took him for a ride and knew, knew where to be at what time. Mm. Mm. Um, well, I've I've got a, another dislike. Hit me. Um, well, I think we. I mean, I, we spoke about it before, but going away from our game in terms of. You know, we, we didn't defend, we didn't start the game how we want it, how we normally would in terms of how we defended um, offensively, you know, looking to score, um, very tentative and, and very much looking to play a possession style game, which doesn't, you know, at times is us, but um, we, we look tentative to take a risk mm. uh, to start the game. But, and we've, I think we've already covered that, but uh, <laughs> Mr. Zaharakis. Uh, we, we, said, we say it most weeks, he's been a, an absolute uh, soldier of our club. And mm. I think he'll go down as, you know, he'll be a life member and uh, a very valued contributor. Um, but is he, is he done? I think this hamstring finishes him. May finish his season. And career, I would say. I don't know about that. 
Uh, he's hardly getting a game, so how would he go around again next year? Like uh, I think in, we'll see. I think we you need those players. There's there's a few other players I'd be delisting before Zaharakis, um, and you can see when he's got ball in hand, he can he's still got composure, he's still got skills, he's still mm. I you know he's played some some good he's done some good efforts, played some good mm. games, um, so I yeah I think depending how long it takes him to get back I. I I would happily have him on the list next year, and and being on the fringes of the best twenty-two, because when you've got your best twenty-two playing well and one of them goes down, it's nice to have, you know, Zaharakis to come in and fill a role. Mm. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. Is, is he is his hamstring that bad? Is it? I don't know, I don't know, but this leads into another dislike of mine, yet another soft tissue injury. So, we have Peter Wright with a calf. We have Devin Smith with a hamstring. We have Tom Cutler with a calf. We have Jai Caldwell, who's missed the whole year with a hamstring. And we've got Zaharakis with a hamstring. And, and am... Waller seems to have some sort of soft tissue Oh, injury. that was a corky. That was a corky, mm. I think. Well, I didn't, I didn't see the post-game stuff yet, but um, I think that was a corky. So... I am not happy that anything has changed from the previous regime. But I think of... there's there's actually a lot of soft tissue injuries through the AFL as a whole this year. Like I don't think that Essendon has any more than any other team. There's there's four teams that have sixty percent of the entire AFL soft tissue injuries, mm. and it's. And I think, it, I can't remember exactly, but there was a graphic on it. It's Essendon, GWS, Hawthorne, and one other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have 60% actually, of the I've entire league soft tissues. Yeah, tell yeah. us. Uh, 20, around 20, well, I've got 21.3% of AFL game injuries between rounds 1 and 11, uh, hamstring, and then other muscle, 5.7%. So you'd assume uh, that's all soft tissue. Um, so... Twenty-five, a quarter of uh, all game injuries uh, have have been soft tissue across the AFL. Mm-hmm. Um, but let me just get the uh, so accumulated AFL game hamstring injuries trajectory. We're actually uh, we're actually at a lower point um, than when we were in twenty twenty, but well above uh, where things were in two thousand and nineteen, which is interesting. Um, and what you were saying is percentage of current hamstring injuries by team, GWS, Essendon, North Melbourne, and Fremantle combined, so four teams, make up 51.7% of all hamstring injuries in the AFL. That's four out of 18, and mm. we're one of those four. Yeah. yeah. So whatever they're yeah. doing in terms of rehab recovery is not working. I mean, Caldwell's been the only recurrence of a hamstring as far as I can tell this year but clearly they're doing something wrong but those it could, four it, teams are doing something wrong it actually could also be the changing game style like they're playing a much faster game style this year than what they have previously so it's only natural that as their bodies are adapting to that there's going to be injuries like they've had a big changeover in you know like coaching and game style and all of that so I don't know that you can be like, yes, obviously management somewhere along the line, maybe load management or whatever, but I think there's a few other factors as well. 
Don't give them excuses, Laura. I'm just this saying. Is, this is my podcast. It's our podcast. My um, podcast. And you, and sound, I... you sound like somebody else I know that I will not slander over um, the airwaves, but well, this is on. a team and we You're are Taking equal. down everyone else. If, if I want to tee off interest, on the Matthew. fitness staff, I'm going to tee off on the fitness staff. Will you do that? You but yeah, that. anyway, it's, it's a pattern that, that has been of concern for me for, uh, well, really through the whole Justin Crow era and the evidence so far is suggesting that it hasn't changed, which I'm not happy about. Well, I wonder if it also could be to do with something like something to do with the training surfaces at the hangar. Like it could be lots of stuff. Uh, they haven't been at the hangar. They've been in Perth. Oh, for two weeks. Come on. Interestingly, well, they're back in Melbourne now. Yeah, they got a week off. Yeah, but like that's a bit risky, don't you think? No more risky than you or I. Yeah, I guess. I think they're no, quite, they're, they've got quarantine uh, rules as well. Yeah, they're on very strict product. They're they're on as strict as they were last year. So they mm. they are in lockdown. Lockdown. That sucks. Like they they can't even leave the house. Mm. They can only go to training and, and come back. It's pretty rough. Yeah, that sucks. Especially mm. when you wake off. Um, but yeah. I was going to say, in terms of um, hamstring, I mean, all of those guys have had hamstring injuries in the soft tissue injuries in the past. And we know uh, that once you do one soft tissue injury, you're how many more times more likely to do another? Regardless if of. You- if you don't rehab correctly, yeah, that's right. You are more likely. Look, you know, like you, you can rehab. There's, there's an inherent weakness there afterwards. Like there's, it heals with scar yeah. tissue, and it's never as strong, even if you do all of the things. Yeah, and, and you, the inherent weakness is the fitness staff at Essendon. Well, if you can do a better job, go put your hand in the ring. You know, your hat in the ring, I should say. Put some skin in the game, Nick. Yeah. Get some skin in the game. I reckon I just quietly. I reckon I could. But that's a story for a different day. Mm-hmm. I think I think they're missing their biomechanics. I think they're not getting their biomechanics right. I, I would assume that at a, an an elite professional football club, biomechanics is like injury management one hundred and one. So I'm pretty sure they will be getting their biomechanics right. But assumption is the mother of all fuck ups. I think with, with biomechanics, uh, I mean, look, we're not a exercise and sports science uh, and we rehab could be, podcast. But we could we have the credentials to be, Matthew. <laughs> oh, you too, do. I'm, I'm, uh, Close enough. Yeah, I've, got, I've got a little bit of work to do. But um, you, it's, not, it's not like it's a track and field sport where you're running in a straight line and you can repeat uh, constantly the things you do. Um, and and you, you could move biomechanically perfect, which is individual for everyone. Mm. Um and still, if you spiked your loads too quickly or you, you know, your high-speed efforts were through the roof one week in, in comparison to your last few or something like that, um, that you would still be at risk for injury. And, and you, you, I, you'll get in funny positions, you'll land funny, you'll uh, bend over, you'll, you, you're redlining every week in, in a competitive environment. So there, there's so many variables. Well, the research that I've read suggests that if your fundamental biomechanics are sound, you don't do those injuries. But what about things like, okay, they've spent two weeks away from home in Perth. They had to pack up quickly. You know, sleep quality will be different. Recovery will be different. There's so (laughs) many factors. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I'm suggesting there's a pattern. I'm not saying that we got seven hamstring injuries this week and that's a really that means that we're not doing well. This is a pattern that I've seen last year and the year before and it continues to be a problem for us and we have the evidence to suggest that we are in the bottom four in terms of management of soft tissue injuries. But wouldn't you also still, once you, you know, if we have a list of players that have already had soft tissue injuries, that it's likely that they're to be played, not played by that, but it's going to be a factor for them for the rest of their career, particularly as they get older in that Zaharakis-Smith categories? Well, Zaharakis has only really started to get soft tissue injuries the last two years. And you could say that's that's something to do with his age. Previously, he was very robust and didn't miss a whole heap of games. Um, but I think knowing about those players' history, you need to be... The, all that says to me is that they're... Same with Fantasia, same with Danaher, that they never got to the root of the problem and never fixed the, the core issue. And people assume that because they're elite athletes, that they have these um, high-performance environments, that they're more complicated than the average human being. And they're absolutely not. They are as simple as any other patient that walks through the door. And most of soft tissue injuries come down from an issue with the way that they walk and the way that they run. And most of that comes down to glute stability and activation of glutes. Not every time, but in 70 to 80% of, of people. Do you really think that, like, if it's that simple, really, mm. it's not it's not hard to strengthen glutes? Like, it cannot be that simple. It, well, it is, It, it in my opinion, in, in all the research that I've read and the seminars that I've done, it is that simple. And... And it's not just about doing reps. It's about the right activation at the right time for the right duration. And yeah. I mean, we can go on and on about this, but I think it's simple. And I think the AFL industry doesn't have the right information. And certainly our football club doesn't have the right information. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I tend to disagree. Um you keep in mind, you know, every time you read research, you're going to have your own confirmation bias. So, um, every time everyone... you read research, it's already outdated. By the time it's published, it's outdated. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, look, everyone's got the, you know, and it's not the necessary, I mean, you know, only last was completing an assignment which, which said, um, you know, like direct observation or self reporting uh, mm. was not, you know, I read all these studies. I had to reference something and, I, you know, read three studies which said it is not. A, a valid tool for measurement. And then I was able to pull up one where it said, this is a reliable tool. The data yeah. says it's reliable. So, you know, there's so much research, which it, it, I mean, it depends on the the, the strength of, ev- of evidence is what I'm... Anyway. Yes. We get what well, you're saying. Right. Anyway, I don't think the listeners really care too much about the ins and outs of physio and biomechanics and injury <laughs> management. Um, I think yeah. they get the point. You, your dislike is the soft tissue injuries. That's right. Right. I'm not happy with how they're being managed and we should be doing better. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I've got um, just to, to, well, a couple to finish off and I don't think, uh, well, there's last two we'll have much I've got another like two actually. But but I I thought our back line was fantastic again. Except Aaron Francis only had three touches. Yeah, weird. Um, 
I don't think he was bad, but... No, I didn't think he had a bad game either, but I was surprised to see there's only had three touches. Yeah, but I, I think he had a big tick in my book across the board. Um, Jimmy Stewart yeah, probably had more than what he normally does, so mm. <laughs> it is what it is there. Um, our, our dislike was our finish really poor there. Um, mm. But again, probably full credit to Richmond because uh, they just, just did their thing. And I hate um, Richmond so much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I... <laughs> um, and, then, and then I think this one can probably do with a bit more discussion but uh, Matty Guelphie oh, I've, I've really I pumped him up a few weeks ago and he just seems to be in his own head and I do feel sorry for him um, but I, look I hope I, I thought he had a stinker last night um, but I do hope he can get it right and, and show I didn't notice him being exceptionally bad I think he puts the pressure on really well, and that's something that you know you're always going to get from Guelphie. He's always going to smother. He's always going to attack the contest. He's always going to put his body on mm. the line. But six disposals is not enough for someone that is playing a small role somewhere. Small defense, small forward, midfield. It's it's not enough. And I think he's worth persisting with. I think there's a player there, but he needs, he needs to find out... Knuckle down on his role and start delivering a little bit more, definitely. Yeah, but I, I just get the sense he's really in his own head and um, mm. just needs a bit of a confidence boost. But yeah, it seems to him every time he got the ball, uh, he was either caught with it or just something went wrong for him. And I do feel for him. Um, but uh, yeah, I hope, he, I hope he comes good. Well, with McGrath going down, I don't know who, who goes in for him. Does Guelphie potentially get more time around the ball now? Is that something that happens? You know, who who feels? I mean, we we can talk about this in you know a few minutes, but yeah, there's I don't I can't see him going out of the team because we're running out of soldiers. Yeah, I, I don't think he comes out. Um, just just purely on depth. Um, Nettie Carr might get it. He's been playing in the midfield in the VFL, so he might get a run on ball um, and up mm. forward. Who knows? But. Um, Potential. I, I, I think we've said this before, but he's. I mean, his greatest strength is we, you know we can put him anywhere and he can play a role, right? Like he can put him forward if you need him to. You can put him mm-hmm. down back and he can go on ball, but he's not good enough in any one of those three positions yet, where he is a starter. Yeah, and his strength is his versatility, but that's also his his greatest, greatest weakness. weakness, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, maybe it's one for him in, in the seasons to come that they actually say, no, you're a, you're a backman or no, you are going to be a, a midfielder. We're going to, you know. Which is surprising given that um, Rutten has done so well with giving people a role. Like, I mean, we talk about it every week, but Laverde, he's really flourishing knowing that your job is this. And it's surprising that he hasn't been able to, to this far get the most out of Guelphie by giving him a role. Even if that role is, you're going to be the everywhere man. So you need to, you know, work on this, this, and this. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, I think that that is what his role was or what it was intended to be was you can just sort of plug you anywhere. Um, but I think the downside of that is he hasn't really learned to do any one thing well or one position. Yeah. I think when you, you, know, you want to play such a... It's so hard to do, especially when you want to play such a system-based... Uh, game style um, mm. and that you know like Laverde got really good at, at 
at his position because he was able to just sit there and practice that and do the whole preseason at that position and practice mm. it day in, day out. Whereas, like, you know, for Guelph, if he's spending a bit of time with the forwards, he never really settles down there. But then maybe he's doing a bit of work with the mids, but never really settles. And maybe does a bit of work mm. with the back, but never really settles. Um, yeah. And so you, you learn a little bit about everything about the season, but you don't learn exactly where you're going to fit and, and how you're going to play your role to the best of your ability and practice that for, you know, four months of preseason and then get started on the season and be able to execute it. Yeah. So, yeah, I do yeah, feel no, I agree. Mm. Laura, your like? Um, Braden Ham was my like. Mm. I thought he had a really good game. Um, yeah, I just, I think, you know, a couple of weeks back, he was getting a, a bit of a, I won't say he was getting a bit of a beating on this podcast, but there was some talk that he maybe needed to be dropped and needed a rest. But I thought that especially last night when we really needed someone to step up, that he was the man quite a few times. Yeah, I think um, he was able to come in and be a bit more outside, which is probably more his natural game. We probably need him to do a few things. Um, you know, had to play a bit more forward and play a small forward role, which is really his go. But, um, you know, looked a few times. We were able to use him on the wing and that sort of thing. Uh, and I think that's really his go, is he's sort of a dominant outside player who's got a little bit more inside in him than he used to have, rather than you know trying to make him an inside mid, because I don't think that's that's going to work. Um, but have it, yeah. Uh, he was he, he's de- he's an AFL quality player. There's no doubt about that. He's an AFL quality player. It's just a matter of where they play him. And I think probably put on display to say, no, I'm more of an outsider position, flank, wing, that sort of thing. Um, but I can contest inside now. Mm. Mm. No, that's a that's a very good call. Yeah, I I was really happy with his return to the team, much better than his previous weeks when he before he'd gotten dropped. Um, so really pleased with with the return, and hopefully he continues to blossom from there. Um, so why don't we take a really quick break, and then. When we come back, we've we've got a obviously we've got the week off next week, so we're gonna save our look ahead to the next game, uh, to next week. But um, when we come back, why don't we have a quick chat about where we're at at this stage, um, and whether we're you know where what we think the second half of the season's gonna hold for us. back and obviously before the break we had a good chat about the likes and dislikes the nightmare at the optus but um i have to be honest i'm pretty happy overall with where we sit at this point of the season i didn't expect us to be knocking on the door of the eight particularly after our zero and two start and two and six start mm, agree yeah i didn't expect it either um but having said that, I don't. We haven't really beaten anyone yet, except for West Coast in Perth. West Coast in Perth, who were half battered. Um, 
by us. We battered them. <laughs> yeah. But um, but I think that um, even in previous years, Maddie, to your point, we like got smashed by everybody, regardless of mm. if they had a team on the park or not, right? There were so many games or there have been so many games over the past I don't know, three, four, five years where we've just not shown up and even a team that we should be beating, we've either just scraped over the line or we've been smashed. So, um, And we've also played six of the first 11 interstate. Mm. Mm. Yeah, no, fair call there. I think you're right. Um, it's certainly encouraging to see, and this sounds wrong, but the way we're losing isn't... Uh, not deflating losses in terms of we look like we're going nowhere. I think we're, mm. we are seeing a direction, so that's the real positive to take from that. Um, mm. But I think you, you're right. You know, in previous years, we we when we won games, we coughed over the line or tripped over the line, sorry, I should say, um, and then we'd play a decent opposition and get totally dismantled. Um mm. Whereas now we're beating teams we should beat, or for the most part, bar probably Hawthorne. Mm. Um, and then against teams where we're likely not favourites, we are giving them a very good run for their money. Um, mm. And you know, a few games have only been decided by a kick or two. Um, and even the Carlton one was, was very close until late. Um, but that was probably one of our worst performances yeah and we, I mean, we still scored over 100 points um i think i think carlton probably had their best game for the oh, i don't watch too much carlton but um given how they what they hate carlton. what they dished up today uh that was probably one of their better performances um mm. against us so nothing nothing makes me happier on a weekend when we lose to see that carlton has also lost yeah well carlton and uh collingwood below us on the ladder Mm. Which is it's, it's pleasing to see. It yeah. is, it is. Especially when they they were up and about this early this year, Carlton. Mm. Well, they yeah. were, they were, and you know we obviously had to certain someone leave us for them. Um, mm. The Teague train is coming to a stop. That's true. It is. I, I think for me personally, I feel really positive about this year. I think I went into this season expecting to be the talk of the AFL and, and all of the, you know, media surrounding that for our, another year of really poor performances. And I think, and I expected, you know, not many wins in the first or all season. So I think the fact that I can go into a game on a weekend and think, oh, wow, we might even be a chance here. Like the fact that I tipped Richmond yesterday shows... How dare you? I mean, sorry, not Richmond. I tipped Essendon. Sorry, I meant to say the fact that I tipped Essendon last night shows that like there's a little bit of confidence and there's a little bit... You can see that there's structure in the way that they're playing. You see that there's a camaraderie in the team. You can see that there's passion from the players. You can see all these things that have really been lacking over the last few years. And I think, yeah, for me, I'm really happy with where we're sitting. Um, they're probably not going to make the finals, but that's that. I don't think they were expected to make the finals, but I think that there's really a lot of positive signs. Even with the number of injuries that we've had, there's been so much depth through the team that people have been able to stand up and we haven't just continually got smashed, even with the people that are missing. Mm. 
You know, I agree that um, the system is working well and that we seem to be developing depth, but it's not because of more quality on the list, but clarity on the list of you come in, this is the role that you're playing. We need you to do this job. And mm. they're well coached, right? Yeah. The I think one of the things that I'm finding the most exciting is that for the first time in a very long time, we seem to be assembling a really good midfield. And I think I, I at the start of the year, was expecting Zach Merritt to leave at the end of the year. I would be very surprised now if we saw Zach Merritt leave for another football club. Mm. On a personal, you know. It's it's hard to see where he would go and who's got something not more exciting, but, you know, there are teams like where would you go, like a Richmond because they have a successful culture, but really how much longer can they stay at the top? Like how many teams are there or where would he go that's on the upwards trajectory like Essendon is given his age and given, you know, where the club looks to be headed? You would, mm. you'd struggle to find, like even talking about Adam Saad because we talk about him all the time, going to Carlton because he thought that they had something more than what Essendon had to offer. You can already see that that maybe wasn't the smartest decision to make. Yeah, and I think probably of all the teams on the up, it's probably us or Sydney that are the two most exciting ones, right? I think Carlton have misjudged their window like we did a couple of years ago. Um, or maybe not necessarily, you know, again, it comes down to injury management, you know, with, with a fit Danaher, et cetera, then we're probably, we're, you know, bringing in the trades that we did at that time were probably a good idea. That's a, a story for a different podcast. But um, what other team that is, is rebuilding and that is on the way up is, is more exciting than Essendon and is more likely from what we're seeing for success than Essendon? And I would say probably only Sydney. Maybe Fremantle, but I think we're a little bit ahead of Fremantle. Yeah, like, I, I don't, I, I don't. Uh, you look at his options, and they're pretty limited in terms of where would you go that has money. Um, like, if if he was going to go to a successful team, I don't think there's anywhere that has the money that he's sort of worth. So he'd have to take a pay cut. Yeah. Um, and then, okay, if you want more, if money's the the alternative, uh, oh, sorry, the motive there that. There's no one with money that seems to be on the up. Um, you know, Collingwood. Well, and, and that's the thing, right? Yeah. Like, you've got Melbourne who are at their peak, Bulldogs who are at their peak, so they're not on the way up, right? They're going to win a premiership this year next... You know, they're, they're in the window right now. Geelong are starting to come down. Their list profile is they're going to be rebuilding in within the next five years. Uh, Brisbane Lions are again... Oh, they're, they're still a relatively young team. Um, so, yeah, they're probably as exciting. Port Adelaide are at their peak probably. They're challenging now. They're not going to be sustaining. Swans are on the way up. West Coast are on the way down. Richmond are on the way down. Giants are on the way down. Fremantle's up. And then everyone below us, like, why would you go there? Maybe Adelaide, they're on the way up. The the rest, you know, North are too far away. Hawthorne haven't even started their rebuild. Collingwood are a shambles. So... Of the teams that you would go to, I would say Brisbane, Sydney, us or Adelaide are probably the most exciting. So mm-hmm. why would you leave? Yeah, yeah. Well, the only, I mean, the only thing you might think is Brisbane are closer to it, maybe. Um, but mm. I don't know. It, it's a big thing to move clubs. Like, yeah, especially when you're so... I mean, he's right, and from what we hear, he's so uh, invested in the group now 
Mm. Yeah. 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 It's not so much just I'm playing football somewhere else, but it's genuinely a a part of him that he leaves behind. Um, Mm. And I get the sense that he and Parrish are developing a really nice relationship. Like I get. Oh, yeah. I get the sense that there's a bromance going on there. Yeah, and I'd even maybe throw Langford in there. Oh, yeah. Oh, baby. Um, Jeez. But, I mean, you do look who we've got to come in with Shield and Caldwell um, and and Draper. Not that Phillips has been bad, but um, Mm. there's a lot to like. There's a lot Mm. to like. My claim... And I think... Keep going. I'm going to say, but yeah, my claim to fame this year or or, uh, maybe... Not claim to fame, but heard it here first... Was uh, I always backtracking? I said I, I think I, I like this guy. Me too. I've said that from you go back to a listen to episode no, number haven't. one. <laughs> Shut up, seriously. But Maddie, go all the way back, Maddie. Yes, you have ever since like late last year before he was even on board. You were, you were backing truck. And I have to say, I really love the fact that even last night, I can't even remember what it was, but they showed him in the coach's box and he had like a little smile or he just shows some sort of emotion and looks like he at least is invested in the team. Like I don't know how many times over the past few years they would show Wusha either on the bench or in the coach's box and he's sitting there with his arms crossed, no expression on his face, which as a supporter, is so frustrating. Like, if they're going bad, look like you give a shit. If they're going well, look like you give a shit. And that's what I really like about Truck is that he looks like he gives a shit. Mm, that doesn't mean that Worsfold didn't. But, no, but, yeah. like, from the outside, it's not a good look. Like, if you're sitting there, just, like, arms crossed with no emotion and then you're also seeing on field things are going wrong and he's not making changes, like... Mm. that's the impression that you're getting as a supporter. Yeah. I think we've yeah, discussed before, Wusha was at a different stage of his career. He was finishing up, wrapping up And he was coaching. brought in for a different reason. He was brought oh, yeah, in because absolutely. he's level-headed. Absolutely. Truck's looking to establish himself as a coach. So, Yeah, um, for sure. I but think... I, like, I think for now, like that's a really positive thing is to see that he shows that emotion and he actually really gives a shit. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I think, uh, are you going to say something about Zach Merritt? Uh, well, I think one one positive to come out of the Richmond game, I think, or one positive to coming out of potentially McGrath missing a chunk of footy is if if his body's ready for it and he's up for it, I, I suggest we just chuck Perkins in that role um, and just get him around the ball and see what he can do. Yeah. Um, Don't know if he's going to tank, but no, definitely. Yeah, well, that's the thing. That's, yeah, I, I think that's, that's an... Ex- because if you look at our injury list, we got... Caldwell's not going to play again this year, as far as I can, I've been able to gather. Um, Dylan Shield is kind of a later in the year. Um, I reckon McGrath will, will miss the rest of the season. Yeah, so do I. I think he'll miss I think, ten or twelve. Weeks. I think if there was a positive to come out of his injury last night, it was the fact that we actually saw what he brings to the team. Because I know we've discussed on the past few episodes about how we think that he's not really having a great year and not really doing a lot. But I think him going down so early proved to us that he is crucial to the team. Mm. Yeah, it made a big difference. It definitely made a big difference. Um, one of your premium ball movers and, and possession gatherers. But yeah, I'm excited for the prospect of, of maybe Archie getting a bit more time in the middle or even a friend of the show, Nicholas Pencil-Cox. Yeah, I don't know if he's ready for on ball, um, but... No, I think he's ready. We Certainly might need like Stringer it. to be a bit more in the middle. 
Yeah, Matt. Or potentially even water. Yeah, that that. Yeah, that might even happen a bit too. But I do like the perk. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Why not throw the perkinator in there? Um, He's such an exciting player, isn't he? The perkinator. He I is. Really like him. He is. He is the king but, of courtsy, uh, as um, Nikki tells us. Yes. Yes. Seen uh, uh, sh- snorkeling, <laughs> snorkeling cruises uh, on the portsy pier. So good on him. Um, but. Look, look, we have a pretty. It's a pretty rough fixture going home, isn't it? From from. Memory. Oh, I think it's better than the than the start of the the season. Let's have a look at that. Let Let's run through this. Because I mean, we still have uh, the demons, we still have the cats, we still have the bulldogs. But then we we also have. Um, supposedly, we only travel one more time. Um, so nah. what have we got? We've <laughs> I got think the we'll hawks. Be on the road a bit. We've got the hawks again in our next game. Yeah, uh, which. They're tanking, so we should win that. Then we've got Melbourne. How which... is it? Can we just back it up a second? How is it that we're halfway through the season, we haven't played everybody once, and yet we're playing people twice? Like, because uh, there's 18 teams and 11, 18 doesn't go into 11. No, I get that. Like, I I do get that. But why are you not playing everybody once before you're playing teams twice? Is like for a uh, second I, time. Well, they used to do it that way, but for some reason the fixturing works out better this way. I, so we've got the Hawks. I think it's the COVID um, just to stop teams from travelling. So Right, um, yeah, that makes sense. Just sort of play teams in Melbourne twice if we can and then travel, yeah. less travel, yeah. Yeah, gotcha. Or well, might be the amount of teams that have to fly out every week just so they can reduce that. Yeah, gotcha. Um, that makes yeah. sense. All right, sorry, so, so got, as you were, Hawks. Hawks. Demons, cats. Now the cats. It, it's always a coin toss game for us. We over the last four or five years, they've always been close games. So I don't think that's necessarily a loss. You'd say on form that Melbourne definitely is a loss. Yeah. You'd say that Hawthorne's a win. Then we've got Adelaide in Melbourne. North again. Oh, we got um, North so again. You, what a score! So you would expect that we would win both those games, right? Adelaide and North. Then we've got Giants in Melbourne, which 50, 50. you would say it's probably a 60-40, 55-45 our way. Uh, Sydney and Melbourne. Oh my gosh, be, hold the line. We which, never play Sydney and Melbourne. Which could be anything, you know. Uh, Bulldogs, you'd say we'd, we'd lose on form. Then we've got the Suns and Collingwood. So We've got some winnable games there, definitely. We definitely we definitely have winnable games, but we've also got three really tough games. The rest are all winnable. We've probably got five winnable and two like 50-50 flip a coin and then a couple of we're going to probably get smashed. Well, you'd say that before this year, but you know, I I have I've always had faith in Truck, and I've got uh, faith in him now. Yeah. If we come out of the season with ten wins, I reckon that's a massive win for us. Yeah. Well, you could say it would be ten massive wins. <laughs> well, you could say that too. <laughs> um, I, I reckon ten. I don't know if ten is the pass mark. I think it's more than what we would have expected at the start of the season. Yeah, 10 is definitely a big tick. Um, I don't know if the season starting expectation is fair um, because we didn't expect Carlton to be this shit. We didn't expect Collingwood yeah. to be so average. Um, GWS, you would have thought to be better than what they were. Um, I don't think you would have expected a West Coast. Um, you know, I had them a bit higher. So, uh, like, comparatively to where we, th- how bad we thought we were in comparison to the rest of the comp versus how bad the rest of the comp 
is um, with mm. those middle of the road teams. The good teams are always good. Uh, I don't think it's 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 a fair comparison to say okay, well we're better than we were at the start of the year. Um, oh, is it fair? You know what I'm saying? It's you know we I do. There, we didn't have so many teams that are below us ahead of us. So the, the yeah. I think the average sort of quality in the comp has dropped because there's more shit teams. Yeah, we expected St Kilda to be pushing mm, for top four. Even Hawthorne, um, I think we thought we'd be better than Hawthorne Hawthorne to be on, knocking on the door of the eight. We expected Collingwood to be knocking on the door of the eight, certainly. And we expected Carlton with their off-season moves to be knocking on the door of the eight. And those three teams have just been shit. So, yeah, um, yeah you're exactly right. I understand what you're saying, that um, teams that we expected to be good have actually been worse than we expected. Mm. Um, yeah. And... and Conversely, we've been better than than we expected. Yeah, well, we, yeah, we just had more. There's more shit teams in the comp um, than what we expected. So, therefore, there are going to be hopefully more wins if we're you know worth our salt. So, um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, but I think ten, 10 right. wins is a big tick. Is a tick, I think. I think yeah, so too. Definitely. So we've been waffling on for quite a while. So, what? The, so the way it's going to work over the next couple of weeks is obviously we've got the bye next week. So we'll come back with an episode. We're going to have a look over the season to date, go a little bit more in depth on the whole season to date, and then look forward to our next game against Hawthorne. As always, follow us on Instagram, Spotify, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, all that sort of stuff. Um yeah. And until next time, guys, thanks thanks for joining me on this Sunday evening. Shout out to 3 Meter Peter. Three, hey, 3 the Meter. The burner account. <laughs> Ooh, I'm so is. curious. Like, the the um, the suspense is building. It's Hezbollah. <laughs> oh, maybe it is. Maybe Abdul. it is. Yeah. Hezbollah. <laughs> yeah. No, we, it, well, the rumor was it was my brother, but it's not him. How do you know? Yeah. How do you know? I asked him and he said, I have so many better things to do with my time than make oh, a better account. That is such a response that he would give, but I don't believe a word that he says. Mind you, no, this guy is a guy who's he's deferred from his uni semester and doesn't have a job at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> he literally doesn't have better things to do with his he time. He is living his best life. No, all right? he's, he has you don't need it. to worry about what he does. He's living his best life, okay? No, it wasn't a sledge. He, he has earned it. Uh, he's been gone <laughs> since year 12. Like, he just hasn't stopped, so... But um, uh, it never started. <laughs> he he does have uh, he, he he could well be pulling our leg there. I reckon it's him. <laughs> but for if it's sure, no, nah, I don't reckon. I reckon he's out there. Three meter, Peter. Please DM into the page. Slide <laughs> into the DMs, please. Well, team, as always, it's been a pleasure. And uh, until next time, go Dons. Go, Dons. go Bombers. <laughs>